0: Market rate, £3,000 a day. Were you signing Lionel Messi? This is First Minister's questions. Just once, just once, it would be nice to get a First Minister's answer.
1: Any political party in this chamber that was confident in their arguments around independence would not be desperate to deny the people of Scotland the right to make that choice.
0: The Steamy, a laudable production for The Scotsman. Hello and welcome to The Steamy, The Scotsman's political podcast. My name is Conor Matchett, I'm the deputy political editor of the paper. And here with me this week is um, a soon-to-be traitor who is leaving the newspaper, (laughs) Hannah Brown, our political correspondent. Hannah, it's your last-ever appearance on the Steamy, unless you come on it once you've moved to the land of broadcasting wonderfulness. What's your reflections of being on, on the podcast?
1: You know what, the podcast has been great, Connor. Thanks for allowing me to come back despite my traitordom. It's treason, treason you're Treasonry, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or treason. Treasonry. <laughs> treasonry. Right.
0: We are word <laughs>
1: <laughs> Promise we can write good. But yeah, no, it's it's been a it's been a whirlwind adventure and I'm just really happy to be here um, for the final round.
0: Fantastic. So you're off to STV. It's your last week, so thanks very much for all of your phenomenal work over the last few last couple of years, in fact. One of the things that you've covered at length mm-hmm. is actually ongoing as we speak. Yeah. Um, we're having to record this before the final vote in the stage one process of the Gender Recognition Reform Act, I believe. Scotland. Scotland, yes. at bracket Scotland. <laughs> don't forget the Bracket. Take us through what's happening, why it's such a political hot potato.
1: Sure, so just for everyone who might not know what the gender recognition reform is doing at the moment it's basically hoping to as scottish government officials say make the process of applying for a gender recognition certificate easier for people who are applying for such a thing Uh, so that would include taking away the medical diagnosis of such a thing, and also ensuring that the period uh, wherein you could apply for uh, a gender recognition certificate is, lim- is reduced from two years to three months, with a three-month reflection period. And also, the last thing that's in the in the process of streamlining it is to drop the age minimum requirement for you to apply for a GRC, which would be dropped from 18 to 16. And wh-
0: why is it such a political hot potato within, particularly the SNP? But it's been a, it's been a very controversial, in inverted commas, piece of legislation in the last few years.
1: Sure. So, I mean, where to begin with the controversy? I mean, a lot of people will know about the b- debate being labelled toxic, and part of that is to do with a lot of certain campaigners uh, viewing that it would infringe on women's safety and women's rights uh, or their sex-based rights is a, is a kind of term that's been thrown about a lot. Uh, people kind of worried that the way the, the political discourse that the GRC creates allows for people to more easily align themselves to women. Um, and these people would argue that uh, if you're allowing that, then it's allowing more people to identify as women and therefore infringing on women's spaces. Um, however, you know, people against this have been saying that, you know, that's a matter for the Equality Act. That's not what we're debating here. We're simply talking about the process of the certificate uh, for people to be legally recognised in the gender that they identify as. Um, so, yeah, within the SNP, it's been a huge issue because there have been certain people who have defied what the party has said on this. The SNP currently have a party whip, which essentially means that they all have to vote in favour of stage one of the debate that's currently happening. However, Ash Reagan now has just resigned uh, about maybe a about couple hu- hour. About
0: an hour and a half ago, because I, I know for a fact that it happened while I wasn't paying attention. As a, <laughs> as a dreadful political journalist as I am, I was having a chat with an MSP, came back to the lobby corridor um, in the parliament and discovered yep. that she had indeed resigned her letter to the fm to nicholas sturgeon was short and sweet Nicola yep. sturgeon's response was a certain degree of coldness mm,
1: quite harsh i mean she 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 said to uh, ms reagan that you know she she wasn't aware of her having any issues with the reform which is quite interesting because actually in 2019 along with the, another Minister of well, Ivan McKee, yeah. um, and I think there was Kate Forbes as mm-hmm. well, who's on maternity leave at the moment. They all joined a group of SNP members who were basically complaining about the uh, gender recognition reform and saying that they need to rethink it. So, quite interesting there that the first minister was very cold as we as we kind of analysed it as because yeah, I, I mean I think it's probably been brought up countless times amongst the party internally. Um, and we'll also see, I guess we just saw there, We, we as we rushed off to do the podcast, uh, we heard John Mason, who's been quite a controversial figure in the party, go against it as well. He's saying that he will defy it. So it will all be quite interesting to see what happens to Mr Mason.
0: The reason why, I mean, people listening might be wondering why, you know, reporting on the fact that there is a whip in a government debate, you know, is is... Relevant or you know needed, because at the end of the day, these MSPs stood on a manifesto. The GRA reform was part of that manifesto. Therefore, of course, there should be a whip. But the reason why that's important this time around, of course, is because for the first time in an awful long time that I can remember, there is a real possibility of quite a significant rebellion yeah. from within the SNP benches. Now, you know, in London, in Westminster, that happens semi-regularly mm-hmm. when there's a bit of a controversy around certain bills and there's a possibility of a rebellion. It very, very rarely happens in the chamber of Holyrood. We're still at least 25 minutes away from uh, voting. Etching uh,
1: into, <laughs> to, to see what happens.
0: <laughs> um, so we, won't, we don't know as we speak mm-hmm. who has voted against it from within the SNP ranks. Ivan McKee you mentioned, we believe is a way is oh. out of out of the country the other people that the other snp msps that may well vote against it as ruth Maguire, and mm-hmm. um, ash reagan will obviously vote against it having resigned and um, kenneth gibson is another one who signed that 2019 letter it's a real test isn't it of the the unity of the snp and also a test of the SNP-Green cooperation agreement because mm. it's a key red line for the Greens.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it does throw into question the, the I guess, the contention in the party. And, you know, SNP has always been very supportive of the fact that they're, a, 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 by and large, an umbrella party. They share different beliefs and values. That's the argument here, John
0: Mason makes, isn't it? Yeah,
1: exactly. But here, it is a whip, you know. Mm. You can't... Um, and, you know, we were just talking to an SNP... Presser, um, who is is very tight lipped on it because we can't. They know that as soon as you defy the the whip, there should be consequences. Um, so I guess it's kind of seeing what we're going to see out of this fallout. I mean, you, you mentioned Ruth Maguire, uh, Connor, and even from what we've seen so far during the debate, she was raising issues and questions around the reforms. So yeah, she she could be a possible person who is going to go against the whip as well and i guess it will just be a testament to see how how well the party will stand up after this and whether it can kind of i guess a, a, few, a few people have been saying it's very militant of the party to go and whip this issue but then how can we say that when this is the sole reason that the greens agreed to go into government with it's the, not that obviously not i don't the think it's but, but it's certainly it's one of the main
0: it's it's a I, certainly from talking to green sources, it sounded like getting this done quickly and, you know, to a degree that was agreeable to the Green Party was a key part of the cooperation agreement. And let, let's chat about some of the other parties. I mean, the Scottish Labour are whipping as well. Mm-hmm. They've got a couple, maybe a handful of their 20-odd MSPs who yeah. may well, you know, vote against that. Um, again, at this point, we don't know whether or not they have or will. Um and then the Conservatives as well are an interesting case. Mm. Jamie Green, one of a few MSPs who are touted, you know as a potential successor for Douglas Ross, yeah. um, you know, gave a very long and very powerful speech mm. um about his his position. What did you make of of him?
1: Yeah, I think anyone watching the debate or even listening into it would see that Jamie Green's perspective is incredibly powerful. I mean he spoke about growing up as a young a young man and kind of coming to terms with his sexuality and saying that if he was given such a kind of outlook on his rights as a gay man, then it would it would have been a horrible experience and he, he, he kinda of came out just there saying like we shouldn't treat being trans as a mental illness and he is supporting the reforms, which will be very interesting. He said that he appreciated and respected uh, other views that his party did have and he even said, you know, that there are certain things within the reforms that he doesn't agree with. So I, I guess we're just at the stage one just now and I think we'll see the cracks as well with Labour when stage two comes around and people will be making amendments because this is something that Labour's been talking to us about right that they they will be suggesting amendments but it'll be interesting to see I guess Labour's view I've I've always struggled with Scottish Labour to actually work out how you define a woman, you know, how, how Anna Sarwar um, and even, you know, by and large and a national perspective the U- UK wide, how Kirstarmer defines a woman. It's very hard to get them down on that question. So I guess this is far from the end in the kind of turmoil that this could potentially cause uh, parties and their kind of, internal kind of management of it, what their MSPs are going to say. It could cause continued arguments for, for a long time to come.
0: It's got the feeling of um, a slightly different, obviously a very different type of bill to the hate crime bill. But the hate crime bill during the last parliamentary session was a constant drag mm. on the SNP and particularly Hamza Youssef as Justice Secretary at the time in terms of the constant negative you know, press coverage from certain parts of the media mm-hmm. and that, you know, approach to freedom of speech that was very viewed as a very binary one by a lot of opposition. Do you think, I mean, the, the, the final thought, you know, on, on the hate crime bill is it arguably didn't change anyone's mind when it came to voting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the GRA will shift voters away from the SNP or do you think because the vast majority of parties and only the Conservatives up here are voting almost entirely Mm. for it that it won't have the impact that maybe internal SNP oppositions is worried about
1: sure if that internalization kind of goes to the external and to the voters Mm. i mean this is this is a thing i don't think so because i think it's been an issue for for so long now and that people have known where the SNP has stood um i guess maybe only in the last year or so, but, like, it's been on social media, we've seen views, we've seen, you know, J.K. Rowling taking a very staunch view against Nicola Sturgeon leading the kind of... almost leading the campaign against uh, the SNP on this argument, you know, calling her a destroyer of women's rights. Uh, So I think... (laughs) Whether or not it affects voting patterns, I'm not too sure, uh, because I think, you know, people already know where their cards lie, if that makes sense. But I guess it could, I, I, I guess, I don't have a crystal ball in front of me, but I would say that- Get one, come on. I know, I need one, it'd be great for our industry. But well
0: not no, actually if you get one, leave it to me. Since you're leaving Right,
1: because you want the scoops. Absolutely. I see. <laughs> no, none for me anymore. No, I think it will be it'll be interesting to see. Come back to me on that because I think once we see where all the cards lay on the table on the GRE where everyone has voted, that'll be really interesting because that could sway. Because as we know, MSPs are representatives of their constituencies. So this will be very personal to a lot of people. And where their representative has voted on, that could sway a local community based on their views. It could sway, you know, um, a young trans woman growing up in a community where like she feels represented by whoever has voted for that or it could sway someone who uh, is is against the reforms vice versa so it'll be really interesting to see where the cards lie after this but I think we probably know as we're speaking and waiting for that result to come out that it's probably going to pass at this stage it's fair to say.
0: I think it's almost certain to pass in fact I would probably put if I was, if I had a mortgage, um, <laughs> I would put it on passing. Given the numbers involved, let's move on. There is no Alex with us this week. Mm-hmm. Alex is away on a holiday at the same week that we get a new prime minister down south. So there's no word from Westminster. Some happier news as well mm-hmm. from the the Scotsman's political team. Yes. Um, political editor Alistair oh. Grant just had a baby on Monday as we speak. Yeah. A lovely baby girl. Okay. Um, We'll get on very shortly to the issue of FMQs and what was brought up today. But for those who don't know, there is an entirely brand new podcast series from the scotsman called how to be an independent country scotland's choices which looks at the potential routes and experiences of independent countries that scotland may or may not follow i bring this up there'll be a little clip put in here by our fantastic editor kelly of an episode we did on currency earlier on in the summer that's available for anyone to listen to on spotify or apple podcasts Um, but here's the clip from that episode Scotland joining the EU probably would not be consistent with Scotland uh, remaining uh, in a monetary union uh, with the UK. In principle, there's nothing in the rules that would, I believe, uh, make this impossible, but it's uh, less likely that this would turn out to be the the solution. Uh, And so in that case, Scotland might want to have their own currency in order to switch to the euro at some point in the future after independence. I bring that up and um, hopefully people will go ahead and listen to that episode because of what was brought up by Douglas Ross at Mm -hmm. First Minister's Questions today, Mm -hmm. which was he went in on a story from The Times on EU sources briefing that this independent Scotland must join the euro Mm -hmm. or die. How did did that go Uh, down at FMQs?
1: Pretty strong line. I mean, this... Douglas Ross was was keen to really stress this, and and he was he was told that he was making desperate claims. But it's a it's a really interesting story from the Times. It shows, uh, I mean, I think it was about four sources, four sources or yeah. something from, from they're they were EU, EU sources, EU yeah. sources, basically saying this. And he, he called the both of them were calling each other desperate. On this situation, which was really interesting that, um, you know, she praised the journalist Kieran Andrews of The Times for good journalism. But as same- <laughs> always, which is now in his FUSA bio. <laughs> <laughs> of course, but also in the same sentence and same breath, she went on to say that these are unnamed sources. And she's got official sources telling her that essentially there shouldn't be a problem. As, as we heard from last week. When Nicola Sturgeon announced the economic papers for independence, she was keen to stress that we would use the, the pound sterling for a period and then go on to use a kind of Scottish, Scottish currency, probably called the Scottish pound, I think it was, that they suggested. So there was really no mention of the euro, other than saying that the euro would not be an option for Scotland. And we were told in a briefing after FMQs that we would see, I think we would see the status of the euro being discussed in further papers in the series. So I think it's a really good question, a really good point to pose that the Times article does. And it clearly shows uh, great stresses and pressures that the the First Minister is under. And I feel like after FMQs, a lot of those questions weren't answered. It was, we will do the process, we will decide, I think, in other journalists brought up the fact that in the past when this question has been posed Scotland has said well this is a technicality we do need to apply for the euro but once we get in once we pass that technicality we can use the Scottish pound we've seen other places adopt their own currencies Denmark have their own currency um, and they are in the EU so yeah it's still it's still a point of contention because it's still on that matter of entering into the EU do you have to enter with the Euro, and we still need to see those questions answered. So Douglas Ross was good at pointing that out, although he... Eventually started to fall down in his line of argument as he brought up spiralling mortgages, which I think he was laughed at from the rest of the uh, chamber. Given, you know, the economic crisis that we've seen unfold at the hands of Westminster, that a lot of people were kind of laughing at him for saying, "Well, look at your own hands, look at your own government." So, yeah, good point to raise. And I think this story is far from being over. I think we're going to see that hopefully in the future, and hopefully when we get that status of the euro paper that we've been promised in, a, in these series of independence papers, but we'll just have to wait and see.
0: And I, I would say as well, as when I was talking to someone earlier about this, you know, I always think, or I've always wondered why strategically the Scottish government hasn't just said, you know, we'll apply to join the euro. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you have a very good um, potential argument um, or example in the form of the Republic of Ireland, which, you know, moved to the euro in 1999 and then, you know, in terms of physical notes in 2002, I remember that, you know, mm-hmm. going on holiday every year, going from punts and pence to, to euros. Okay. Uh, a lot of what is, of what the Scottish government based their argument, economic arguments around is the success of countries... Like Ireland, mm. so strategically, I wonder if they're messing a trick there. But politically, it makes perfect sense. The the issue of the euro in across the UK is toxic. It was toxic for Tony Blair. It's been toxic ever since. These suggest you wouldn't hear a mainstream politician in the UK advocating to join the euro, mm. particularly after 2008. Um, you mentioned Douglas Ross there, and there was a wee jibe, wasn't there, from Nicola Sturgeon about his leadership? And mm-hmm. um, I mentioned that we've got an interview with him. Um, in the Sunday paper in the Scotland on Sunday, which hopefully everyone will keep an ear out for. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you make of that? Do you, do you, did you think that that needled or did that you know, stink of desperation?
1: I mean, there were loads of jibes so I'm really trying to work out which one exactly we're it talking about. It was the one that,
0: where she went, um, Scottish Conservative leader, for now.
1: Oh yes, it was about his tenure, about his ability to keep his leadership. I mean, it's a it's a good jibe to have. Maybe a bit. I I can't help it's but like think. Juvenile, good. isn't it? She was juvenile a wee bit, but I can't help but think that she was being representative of what a lot of people are probably having on their minds with Douglas Ross and I think she also used the the word flip-flopping with his support of PMs and that kind of being representative of him flip-flopping here in Scotland over certain issues so yeah I mean maybe in, in, in the context of this debate it was a wee bit of a low blow but at the same time Maybe a blow that needed to be had. We need to be reminded that as you are criticizing you know, the Scottish government, this is what's happening with your party. And I think for me personally, in a very cynical point of view, it made for excellent TV watching. <laughs> so...
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that that's a fitting place for us to stop, given given where you're going in your job, moving on to STV. <laughs> um, Hannah, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure working with you over the last couple of years. And uh, also hope that Alistair and the new arrival and mum are doing well', are well. at home mm-hmm. as well and um, thank you very much at home for listening we'll hopefully see you next week goodbye goodbye Hannah
1: bye it's been lovely have being here and being around <laughs> thank you for having me
0: thank you very much for listening bye- bye